Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Doug Fruchet, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm 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 fascinated because I think bodybuilders are the best dieters on earth. I'm very interested to hear why. Can't wait. Because, it's be a good talk. Yeah. So much of what you're doing is diet. And you're dieting half the year, right? I mean, I, I would say much more than that. More I, than half I don't the year. really not diet. Right. Yeah. Which is which is amazing. I you know, like there's some part of me that always thought before I knew anything about it, like that dude just eats whatever he wants and eats till he's sick and works out and looks amazing and has genetics. And come to find out that is not it is so like the like you're the thinking exact about, opposite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're thinking about protein grams and yeah. all of this, and then half the time you're or whatever portion of your life you're cutting also, mm-hmm. which is a diet. You're dieting. Yeah. You're restricting mm-hmm. your food intake. Caloric restriction, 100%. And, you know, it's really kind of funny because I I just feel like it's easier for me to stay consistent if I just diet all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, like it gets looser far in the off season or like right now I'm on a vacation for a week. So it gets a little looser, but even still it's more difficult for me to figure out what other stuff I want to eat off the diet than it is for me to stay on the diet. Right. So you're not, there's no, like for it wouldn't happen for me today, but there was a, there was a universe where an off week of dieting for me was like, I'm going to in and out six times a day. I'm going to go eat pizza. Like that was what an off week meant when you're so, when you spend so much time, concentrating on diet mm-hmm. and off week is literally just less time thinking about it absolutely and probably less food right you know i look at it more as a time to let my body and my mind just kind of rest from the stress of eating you know because you're you're absolutely right when you when you say that like so much of what we do is diet i literally feel like i think about food once every 20 minutes right you know consistently it's like whether i'm hungry i'm not hungry is it time to eat? Should I wait 10 minutes? You know, all those little things. I'm, I'm pretty obsessive compulsive about it. And so, you know, when I have what I, I really call it a non-bodybuilding week, and it's like, I'm just going to be a normal guy. <laughs> I'm going to eat a normal whatever I want, you know, and I'm going to rest and let my mind rest. And yeah. And is, is this a deload? Is this like a break from the gym and everything? Well, it depends on, on what day it is. I mean, these are so few and far between for me. But like this week, I, haven't, I don't really feel like I've taken a break for two years, like a real break. So this, I'm going to, I'll stay out of the gym as long as my brain can handle it. Right. Which may be a day, maybe three days. I don't really know. <laughs> right. But, um, cause I don't remember the last time I even tried it, how it went. But I, I just, I, as I've gotten older as a bodybuilder, I feel like my body really tells me when it's time and it's like, okay, it's time. I'm going to let go. It's a good time in my schedule, take a week off. And so I'm not doing anything this week. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. What I'm a little, got I'm a you nervous? This? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I yeah, I, I find um, I try even on deload weeks. I go to the gym and just do so much less and do yeah. it slower and less weight and like. I actually sometimes go like I'm going to do two sets, half the reps I'd normally do, half the weight I normally do, and like kind of get a kick out of because there's part of me that's like if anybody's watching, should I tell them I'm deloading? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like because it's a, worry. a little embarrassing. Yeah. And then the other parts like no, I want somebody to look at me and go like God, that guy's a wuss. That's all he's <laughs> doing. You know what I mean? Um, what got you? What started you in this? In bodybuilding? Yeah. Um, you know it was. I got out of the army and then it, I got out of the army really young. I joined when I was like 17 and a half and I got out by the time I was 20, 21. And I struggled pretty hard to find my way for a good six months after I got out of the army. And one of the things that really kind of helped me with that was bodybuilding. And it was just, you know, I, I've, I've always lifted weights. I've always loved, you know, training and stuff. And I, I was going to the gym again after being back in town at home. And a guy came up to me and he's like, man, have you ever thought about, you know, competitive bodybuilding? And I was like, there's no way. I'm way too tall. There's so many things. And, of course, he just kind of laughed and was like, okay, well. And that's what got me into it because I just went home and kind of started learning about it a little bit and came back the next day. I was like, okay, let's do this. You know, yeah. tell me what tell me what I got to do. And that's that was it. That's like 12 years now. And, and was that when your diet got real specific? Mm, no, there's a huge, there's a long evolution um, in learning that, I mean, the first two years as I started bodybuilding, I really, you know, just basically learning how to eat and, and it changes so much, but I would say I got really serious and did my first show about two years in. And so then I, I had somebody help me with a diet and stuck with it and did it and everything like that. But, okay. Even that is amazing because I'm assuming if a guy is coming up to you at the gym and saying, are you interested in bodybuilding? You're in pretty good shape already. Mm -hmm. So to go from being in pretty good shape, setting this, this tough physical goal, you're still takes you a couple of years to figure out how to eat. This is a, I think this is a very good point to hammer and emphasize over and over again, yeah. because with uh, me and the majority of people I talk to where it's so hyper-focused on massive weight loss, there is no there is no point where you're just really done and if you are it takes a lot of time mm -hmm. like you know anybody can lose 50 pounds in losing 50 pounds you haven't necessarily learned how to eat to maintain that 50 pound weight loss absolutely absolutely yeah very much so what what when you what were some of the first things that like in how to eat properly? Because that's, that's the other thing I think about, like the diet of a bodybuilder, you know, not the portions necessarily, but like the way bodybuilders tend to eat, I think is a pretty clean, good way of eating. It's high protein, mm -hmm. low to moderate fat, medium carbohydrates. And those, those things move up and down depending on what you need to do. It's just a lot more because you're building tissue, but then you're also cutting. Like I find that basically the bodybuilder diet to be super easy. I think so. And I have really, I, that was always one of my main goals when dieting was how can I make this easy enough so that I can do it um, effectively and what things matter and what things don't as far as, you know, the details and things like that. Because the, and I tell my clients the same thing. I say, 
the easiest diet is the one that you're going to follow. It's like, it's about figuring out how to fit it into your life. And, and that's what, what I really did. And, and the first five or six years as a bodybuilder, I worked full time still. So I had to, you know, figure out how to do that while going to work at a normal job and everything like that. Um, but some of the first things I really guess I, I learned to focus on was protein content always, you know, as a, as a muscle focused diet or a diet, you want to make sure the protein's always adequate. And then you're exactly right. The carbs and fats just kind of move around, you know, keep the carbs away from the fat, keep the carbs around the workout, keep the fat to slow everything down later on, you know, steady blood sugar stuff. And I'm really, I am definitely not a bodybuilder that is at the forefront of the technology or education level of, of the industry i kind of have my head still in the 90s which is funny because i had to go backwards considering i learned this in 2010 but <laughs> <laughs> but but like okay i'm sure there's a lot of technical technological advancements and stuff like that but like my assumption is you the 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 and probably not even the primary source of your calories but you're hyper concentrating on protein like mm-hmm. protein is you know, if you miss a hundred grams of carbs in a day, that's not the end of the world. You no, might, you might you'll just be flat. You you'll know, be flat, like right? Yeah. But you're not gonna, you're not sacrificing tissue. If you mm-hmm. miss a hundred grams of protein, would be something that you might go to bed thinking like, I fucked up. Well, I mean, you're gonna be really sore tomorrow if you train. Right. You know, that's one thing you want to think about. And yeah, I mean, I really try not to, not to focus on you know what I fucked up on because it's just a matter of. You know, even even I found, you know, like if you're on a pretty regimented diet and one day you screw up, it's, you know, you'll just feel it in your training the next day. It's not really going to affect your body composition that much. And the whole the whole point is, OK, don't think about it. Just don't do it tomorrow. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. Stringing yeah. together more wins Absolutely. and not worrying about the little losses. Yeah. Um, how did you do? How did you figure out eating while at work? Um. I got kind of, you know, I don't know, really, I just, what I would do at work, because, you know, I've always been kind of a six meal guy. Um, I think at this time I was, I was five and a shake, right? Five real meals and a post-workout shake. So those three meals in the middle of the day were the ones that I took to work. And then breakfast and dinner and your protein shake, obviously you handle at home. So I would just, but I think what I did was I, if I remember correctly, it was two pounds. No, it was just a pound of ground turkey a day, a pound of ground turkey. I would cook three cups of rice a pound of ground turkey and some canned vegetables. And I would put it all together in a pot and I would put some sort of, you know, I'm from New Mexico, so I really like green chili. I'd do like green chili sauce or salsa or something that was, that was pretty good. And I just literally put it all in one Tupperware. And this is very basic dieting, but I would eat one third, one third and one third, you know, 10, 12 and two. And that was what I did for the longest time. And then, um, you know, obviously it's really not changed, ironically, considering I still eat three meals of ground turkey and rice every day. <laughs> you know, that's kind of funny, as I just said that. That was, you know, 10 years ago. But, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's how I figured out eating at work. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah. And then, you, you know, I just really... And that, by the way, not a super complicated meal to make. No, you know, it wasn't. And, and... Of course, you know, you'd want to make sure that you're eating the exact same amount of the pro, you know, the, the correct amount of protein with each meal. And it's ideal to pack it in separate containers. I just used the one for some reason, probably because I didn't want to buy the, the, the meal prep containers or something. It worked well for me. Yeah. I think it's, this is another important thing that I, I like to talk about and think about, too, because I'm an actor. I have tons of time off. I have lots of days where I'm not working, where I can sit and... 
and meal prep and do all that. You're a professional bodybuilder. You spend a lot, you spend the majority of your time, I imagine, in a gym mm -hmm. or, and it's your job to concentrate on what Absolutely, you do. Absolutely, yes. So telling people, do just do what we do, sometimes to me feels like, well, not, so to put it in that perspective, mm -hmm. it's not so crazy. It's not so hard taking a Sunday afternoon and figuring out you could make your food for the whole week. Absolutely. And, and I definitely tell, that's one of the things I tell my clients is, look, I've done it this way. I understand that you have to make some sacrifices. I understand your life is going to change a little bit, but you're, you know, you have to make those regardless. And, and it's not that much if you really think about it. And you just have to have a little bit of flexibility in your mindset and, and just give it a try. And, and that's the other thing is it's all about trial and error. I mean, if one day it doesn't work and you, sp you know, I don't know, the, the fucking Tupperware breaks and you spill your food in the bag and that pisses you off and it screwed up your whole day. Well, tomorrow you'll know to bring better Tupperwares and you'll get it figured out. But, you know, you just roll with the punches. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it is like I, I agree with you. I feel kind of silly sometimes. I'm like, yeah, well, I pay a personal chef to cook my ground turkey at 15 pounds a piece. I get it, you know, but and like you said, it's. You know, it's my job, and I look at it that way. That's why I don't mind spending the resources on it to do it that way. Yeah. Um, but it's possible for everybody. It really is. I think so, especially when, you know, there are there are certainly some things where it's like, see this doctor, the doctor's thousands of dollars. Go on his program. His program's tens of thousands mm -hmm. of dollars, you know, and then I go like, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. That's, that's like not tangible to most people. I agree. I, and I, I don't need to see a doctor and spend Absolutely. tens of thousands of dollars. I, I'll go to the cheapest grocery store, buy the leanest meat I can find, which is not, doesn't have to be real expensive. No. Vegetables are not real expensive. Rice is not real expensive. And figure out meals. It doesn't have to cost a huge amount of money, but it does take a little bit of time, a little bit of effort. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing that, that, I always think has to shift or what separates a bodybuilder from, from a normal person trying to diet. And one thing that I think makes it really hard for normal people to understand what, you know, how we do it so consistently without really looking about it is it's just, it's like a fundamental difference of what food means. Yeah. And, and I, I've always understood. And it was like, since I was a kid, I was like, I, I just knew that food was fuel and your body is a machine that burns fuel you have to fuel a machine with the correct amount and type of fuel, right? So, like, I never really developed that relationship with food. Like, oh, my God, this tastes so good. I want to eat so much of it. Like, I, It's like, you know, no. Really, I'd be more concerned about the exhaust coming out the back end, which literally is how I've always thought about it. Like, if I put this shitty fuel in, what's going to happen in here and what's it's going to go out wrong? Yeah. And I think that that's really one fundamental difference that's always helped me. And especially when I figured out what bodybuilding really was because I was like, okay, well – now I really feel the effect of what fuel I eat because I'm training every day and asking my body to do something every day. And then it, then it's like, it, it's nothing. It's like, well, this is what I'm doing, so this is what I need to eat, and the fuel, you know, matches the task. Yeah. I think this is a, a another super valid point that can require some thought mm -hmm. and then some effort into making that thought permanent or you know, changing it from one of these thoughts that you have to force yourself to think versus that is innate to mm -hmm. some degree yeah. where like if you've, if you've not considered food, food fuel for your entire life and you're trying to fix some problem with your body that you have that you find to be a problem 
and you're going into it and it's like, yeah, it might take a radical shifting of perspectives on what all this stuff is, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and, and then behavior comes with that. Absolutely. I mean, that's the easiest way, in my opinion, to modify one's behavior personally is to modify their perspective because a lot of things we do in the subconscious, so they start in the subconscious 100%. And so if they're starting in the subconscious and you, they're just getting the wrong start every time and you have to turn your brain around and be like, no, this is this, not that. You started, you know, it's like if you can shift that perspective so that it starts with a good push off and you're subconsciously ahead of the game, it, it's it's invaluable. Yeah, it really is. And and there's no reason, you know, why somebody who's going into, you know, I, that's the, the one other thing is like when when I was at my heaviest if you had said, do you want to come work out? I would have been so intimidated and said, no way. And mm-hmm. now I look at you and I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to work out with that guy. You know what I yeah, mean? Like absolutely. It, and so I empathize with anybody who is overweight and thinking like, you want me to go on a bodybuilder diet? Like, that's ridiculous. And I'm not saying it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely not for everyone. But like if you as if an obese person considered I'm going to start building my body in the way that I want my body to look rather than just being the effect of constantly putting something in that gives me a temporary base uh, release or comfort. This perspective, too, is also super valid, in my opinion, like the obese person who's who's turning themselves smaller is also building their body. They're Absolutely. Reconstructing it. Absolutely they are. And and I always say that like you know because my job as a personal trainer is is just right up there with my bodybuilding career as far as what I do and 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 I tell people a lot I say look me being a bodybuilder and walking around with this physique should not tell people that I will make you a bodybuilder. Right. What it will tell you is that man has complete control over his physique and the manipulation thereof. What makes you think I can't help you look what you want to look like? Right. You know, if I can do this, I can definitely help you lose the 50 pounds you need to lose. I, I promise, you know, and it's like, and, and that's what I want people to see from that because it is, it's, it's just, it's all the same. It's the understanding that we have the control, uh, the only control, you know, and, and of course there's, you know, genetic things and all that kind of stuff that come into play. But for the most part, it's our control how we want to look and how we want to feel, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I like to show people is, you know, it's your choice. Totally a hundred percent. The other thing I really like about bodybuilding is, um, hyper focus on fat loss mm-hmm. versus weight loss. Cause mm-hmm. weight loss is so general. It's like, are we dehydrating ourselves? Are we burning up some percentage of lean tissue or are we just target not target but like just burning just burning fat yeah those are three completely different things all of them will show a reduction on the scale absolutely and so i have done versions of diets where it's like 500 calories a day for a couple of months and now i've lost 80 pounds and i get on the scale and i and i feel better about myself and i'm happy because i see a lower number and then i'm looking in the mirror and i'm like God, I don't, I don't feel 
strong. Like yeah. I was stronger. I yeah. and, and 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 there's something understandably about a, a reduction in strength maybe when you're dieting. Like I also at the towards the end of a cut start to feel fatigued, but I never feel weak. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so burning through tons of lean tissue for, from dieting like that for years and winding up, you know, 50 pounds lighter than I am now and feeling like a, a light breeze would blow me over. That was depressing. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, and that's where my, I, my feeling that protein has to be so consistent is key, you know, because it does, it keeps your muscle healthy as you lose fat. And I'm sure, you know, you're going to experience some of the fatigue and being tired from a diet. If you're in a caloric deficit, no matter what, but we still have to remember that, I mean, those 500 calorie diets, you're, you're missing so many of the micronutrients you need for the day and, and, and half the protein you probably need, if not more, you know, it, it's like your body still needs those things to function, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah, it, it's almost like when you hear about people with wasting conditions and it's mm -hmm. like, that's for me now, when I think about that, I think that's not a diet. That's not, that's not a, even a tactic to weight loss that I want to mess with. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. You, you get there, you, once you increase calories at all, you're going to put weight back on, you, you know, and then even not really understanding how carbohydrates worked years ago, that swing where you, where I'd think I could gain 10 pounds in a night was just so soul crushing to me. And now, yeah. uh, you know, I realize well, I didn't eat 10 pounds of food. There's no possible no, way I gained not, yeah. 10 pounds. You know, this is water. This is mm -hmm. my muscle storing liquid. Like, The scale is definitely not the best place to be as you're trying to watch your body lose weight. Um, yes, I always I always tell my clients, say the scale, all the scale will do is show you when your diet is perfect, how it's working. Yeah. Because all it shows you is change via the change day by day. And so if your diet's consistent and working, then you know the scale will tell you that. But otherwise, it's so misleading in so many different days, especially for somebody who has who's started dieting and, and doesn't have the knowledge they need to have because every time they see that thing change, they're going to be like, what? And it's like, well, no, like you said, I mean, you have too much salt on your meal. You'll have five pounds more the next morning, depending on how big of a guy you are. Yeah. You know, and so... My my wife still, and I probably shouldn't even talk about this, but I will because she'll never listen to this. But my <laughs> wife still will like have her period and get on the scale and be bummed out. And I'm like, this happens every month. <laughs> and you know that you're just retaining water. And like, I don't know biologically or physiologically why that happens, but mm -hmm. it seems to happen to her. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't have a lot of carnal knowledge of other women in their period cycles, but my wife retains water when she gets her period. <laughs> And and every month almost we have the same conversation because it bums her out. And I'm like, you should take this period of days and not go anywhere near the scale because yeah, that's this, what I always recommend to my female clients. Like, yeah. don't even bother. That week sucks. Yeah, you know, it, it's not a great excuse to go crazy because you know you're going to gain weight or you you know yeah. retain water. So don't do that. Stay away from the scale that week. Mm -hmm. I would say yeah, I would say stay on your diet. Don't yeah. go crazy, but don't don't weigh yourself. Yeah. And try not to look in the mirror that much because because you know what you're going to see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It, it's wild how all this stuff works and the and the mental complexities that go along with just how we think about it, uh -huh. you know? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And and so much of that is just affected, you know, how we think of it is just affected by 
you know what the the world says we sh- you know we should think about it like and that's what's it's so crazy yeah it's such a personal thing that is so also out in the public and everybody has an opinion on it yeah and and let me ask you this because i'm i'm i feel the same way like i i i don't like that we had a period of time where utter utter ultra thin was the norm in you know advertisement mm-hmm. in media like you had to be rail thin then you had girls who were starving themselves and yeah. all of this and now we swing the pendulum swings the other way and there's fat acceptance and i personally l- prefer the idea of self-love and being kind to ourselves so i don't want anybody to feel to go around in shame and to feel awful about themselves however i think this is just another extreme where i go like are are we gonna now encourage women to gain weight do you know what i mean like i think we might be on the cusp of that um I really, I, I, I don't, I don't really know how I, how I feel about it necessarily. I know that I remember reading back in the day in, in like the, the, I don't remember what period of time, but in the past, I think like the Victorian era or something, they, women were like the, the bigger, bigger hips you had, the more breeding capability and stuff like that you had, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and that seemed like a pretty valid reason for that. Like I, I could see that, especially given the knowledge of the time, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. great got it you know like that's a woman to start a family around you know um i know that that's definitely not what's being that's not the reason now you know yeah but um i don't know yeah i i I don't i it's just another strange it's it's very strange to me that the media or you know social media or i don't know what what is pushing it but it's it's there is a, a radical swing in the other direction. I'm curious if it's, if, if there are more women that are wanting to pursue a modeling career or not, because I mean, as far as I've, every model I've ever met sounds like they have a pretty miserable life, Yeah, you know, but so it's like, I don't know why anybody would really want to go for that, Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think that we're having more and more, you know, this word normal, normal is a tough word yeah. because some people balk at the word normal and I don't mean it as an insult. I'm an, I'm a ex morbidly obese guy who is also a recovering drug addict. So when I think of a normal person, I just think of anyone who doesn't have the issues that I have. Right. So they're normal. And, and, (laughs) and I, and I, it's not degrading. I don't think of it as a judgmental thing, but like women with average body sizes are popping up more and more in advertisements. And I appreciate this. I really like this because I don't think that um, a a girl's ideal should be that they have to be real thin, that they have to be hungry all the time. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, Yeah. no, I don't agree with that at all. Um, And I do like that. I I think that hopefully what it might do is encourage um, talent, seekers and, and the, the talent agents and the casting agents and and people that are casting people to look at other attributes rather than the body size at all and i think that would be a great thing yeah. uh, i think that would promote better art and better better print ads and stuff like that but uh no i don't think anybody should feel like i mean I, but it's it's still available it's still here like the female bikini girls that compete in you know along with bodybuilding it's they want those girls so skinny and it's like well why yeah you know no it's not good for them not at all 
when you when you go into a fat loss phase, what how how restrictive are you? Um, I'm pretty fortunate to stay lean most of the time, and it's 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 easy for me, especially at this stage in my physique's development. But um, I I've always been the guy that's that's like if you're doing it, you're doing it. Yeah. And so I don't really. I don't really, I mean, restrictive, yeah, everything. I, I eat just about the, the five things I'm supposed to eat, and I don't really sh- stray from that very much at all. Um, you know, I'm guilty of, there's always like a dark chocolate bar in the freezer that I'll have a piece of like every day or something, but that's pretty much, that's pretty much the only food for, for my mind that I'll, that I'll have, especially when I'm dieting really hard. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. How hard is the diet? How like what kind of what kind of percentage of calorie caloric deficit do you go into? Uh, usually like a fifteen to twenty percent deficit with an up in cardio, um, and that'll work pretty quick. in In like three weeks, it'll be ready for me to go back to maintaining with like maybe a five percent deficit and then minimal cardio because we'll just kind of let the rest fall off as it goes. Right. Um. The 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 organ fat. When that starts to go, that's like the last two or three weeks when you get really, really, really lean. That's like when your heels start to hurt from walking around and stuff. That's crazy. Right. That's only like the last two weeks. But if if you if if you go too long, really getting the body fat off in the initial part before you go back to the little, I, I always call it like the trickle phase where it just kind of trickles off. Um, if you if you if you go too hard before that, then you'll get you'll get to where your heels don't have any fat on them way too quick and you'll have to go back and then start again a little bit. Right. So, so you have to time all this. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the way I look at it is you you just keep everything in your back pocket and, and really watch your body kind of just, it's, it's like, it's like landing a parachute. I imagine it's just kind of like, you just want to be coasting in totally ready to go. Boom. Right. Yeah. How much time do you need before a show? Um, Right now, six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Um, if I was to get a little fatter, then probably like eight to ten will be good. But but right now, I've stayed pretty lean. Most of my most of my clients that do shows, I usually I usually start them like twelve to sixteen weeks out. Yeah. And what kind of body fat percentage? Because you look very lean now, but it's totally the off season for you. Yeah, like I said, I I'm I'm pretty fortunate. I just especially because of how much muscle I have now. If I if I, I it's harder for me to eat enough food really. So I I stay especially in the off season. So I'm pretty lean. I'm like probably five or six percent now. Wow. You know? Yeah. In the off season. Yeah. Amazing. And this is the first off season that I've stayed this way for so long. I mean, my last competition was in August. Yeah. August I had the two competitions and I've stayed pretty lean since then and I've been pretty lax. Yeah. You know, but training's still been good. We've been training really hard doing a lot of YouTube content, so I've had to stay in shape. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing with social media. Yeah, it changes the game a little bit. Yeah. You know? It's, if you want to be marketable, you got to be in shape. Right. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I remember uh, watching <laughs> some st- stuff on documentaries on bodybuilders from like the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And the off season, they lost their abs. Oh, yeah. Those dudes got put yeah. on, got real fluffy. Some of them did, especially the shorter guys. You know, the shorter you are, the more fluffy you can get quicker. And so a lot of the bodybuilders that were shorter back then, yeah, they would get pretty, pretty flabby. But I feel like back then... People thought you needed that fat to burn muscle. Probably a lot, of, like you were alluded to, with the feeling weaker. You know, probably because of that, they felt like they were stronger. And this, of course, before all the designer steroids and everything like that. So they felt stronger when they had all the good fat, and, and so they felt like that was how they'd build the most muscle in the off season. And then, of course, you tear it all off, 
to get ready for the show, and then you you look like a totally new person. Right. Personally, I truly feel, and this is only from my own personal experience, I feel like the body builds better muscle while it's lean. Right. I feel like the body functions better that way. I feel like you're just as strong, um, and you just have to find that perfect window. Like It's like... You know, it's like you're six to eight weeks out from the show the whole time because because that's when I feel like the body's really functioning its best. It says just enough food. It's, it's like a race car versus a normal car. Like if you have a race car on the track, man, everything's everything's dialed in. Everything's perfect. Everything's on point. You get just enough fuel to make it around the track as fast as you need to. And that's when I feel like the body works its best. Right. But if you overburden it with too much fuel, it's going to be sluggish. It's going to be sluggish. Exactly. How would you expect a car to run run overweight at the same time, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. I, I, you'll notice I make the analogy between a car and a body so much. No, I love it, too. And I, th- I, I think about it that way in my mm-hmm. mind. My mind works with analogies. It's just constantly turning one scenario into same. another scenario. That's funny you say that. Same. And I think about cars and, like, imagine if... At the end of each night, imagine if you had to fuel your car every single day, and at the end of each night, any fuel left over in the car was going to get stored as excess weight on the car. Yeah. We would get so good at (laughs) fueling our car. Like, we would be doing calculations, and we'd have an app to say, like, here's all the places I'm driving to today, and it would say, here's how much fuel you need, and you wouldn't put a drop more in it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what they do with airplanes, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, that's hilarious. And yet, with our bodies, which is like, do I value my body more than my car? Hell, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll get a new car at some point. This is the only body I got. Uh, You know, for 20 years, I I just never thought of it as a machine. I know. Or I I thought of it as just like, you know, something to have fun with. And by the way, you can have fun with your car without destroying it. Absolutely. Um, That's one thing that it's like that's where the mental disconnect is when I try to empathize with somebody who's really overweight about why they're struggling to get it off. And I and I mean this with all of the sensitivity I possibly can. I struggle to empathize with it because of that main fact. Like, I just, it's like, well, you understand exactly what's supposed to happen, right? Like, this makes perfect sense. You don't eat more food and you lose weight. And of course, yeah, of course, yeah, they understand, they understand. Well, what's going on? And I go through this with my mom all the time. She's like, I shouldn't eat all these chips. And I'm like, mom, why do you buy the chips? You know you shouldn't eat them. Well, I like them. Okay, but you know you shouldn't eat them. It should be, you know, so that's, it's funny. I just, I've always wished I could empathize better with that and yeah. understand. And I'm a, I'm a recovering drug addict too, and I still can't make the connection between the way I feel about drugs and the way I feel about food. Like, it just yeah. doesn't work for me yeah. mentally. I had the, I have, I have that, I, I can, it's, it's much easier for me to make. The compulsion for me yeah. is in the same universe entirely. Okay. And I, and I, and I totally understand what you're saying, and I agree with you. But I think that, I think that, you know, and I say this from from having experienced it. I think there is a lot of situations where people come into it with this strong desire and zero understanding mm-hmm. of how any of it works. Yeah. And so then when somebody goes like, "I have a magic bullet," you want so badly. <laughs> bless you. Thank you. You want so badly for somebody to just like give you a pill or mm-hmm. put you on some magic diet and all the problems to, to be resolved. And even then you still so you do this thing and you don't understand again how nutrients work, how exactly. macronutrients work. And so you never get out of this situation where you're not thinking about it in, a, in these very 
simple functional terms that you've laid out yeah you know and that's and it's it uh, you know just it must be such a struggle to make that paradigm shift you know if if you've been eating for basically pleasure your whole just for pleasure your whole life i mean i can't even i i just yeah like to to make that shift is key is key it's like this is a machine that you have and right now it's like it's like it's sitting out back by the barn you know, like your machine is sitting out back by the barn. It's it's a mess. There's weeds all over. It's like we got to get it back. Here we go. You know, let's get it started. <laughs> yeah, get it rolling. Yeah, I mean, I I wish there was a book. You know, like, uh, you know, Orwell's Animal Farm is really much, uh, a simile for you know what Trotsky and Stalin went yeah. through. And I wish there was like an auto mechanics book <laughs> about cars that was like just an analogy for how the body works. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the car needs oil, needs yeah. gasoline. Needs, yeah. You change some gaskets every now and again. Like a user's manual for us. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was simple. We mm-hmm. become so complex and I, and I think, and I, and then, you know, I get into like talking to other people and, and, and it's all the minutia where it's like sleep is important water is important there's lots of other things are you getting all the vitamins and nutrients you need you know mm-hmm. like there i i don't love eating vegetables and and sometimes my wife has to say like fuck dude put some vegetable where's your fiber you yeah. know you're just yeah. eating chicken and rice there's got to be broccoli too you need that too you know and so understanding that we need these things and how they work is is really important absolutely and it's not all that complicated, I really don't think. It's just a matter of, of putting it in the right terms for people to understand and just making that making that lifestyle change to like, you know the and the car is such a good analogy. I could go back there every time, just like you said. I mean and I've never heard the one that you that I've never thought of what you said about if you have excess fuel in your car at night, it's gonna shift to make your car fatter. Yeah. You know, that's, you know yeah, that's we funny. would just, we would not overfuel our cars. Absolutely not. You know, even if a little voice came on and said, I really like the way that tastes that fuel <laughs> tastes and I really like it when you fill me up no matter if you use it all, you know? I wonder, actually, right. how many fat cars we have, you know, how many big cars we have rolling around. That's true. If Siri came over <laughs> yeah. on the car and was like, please give me more. Yeah. It tasted so good. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are other analogies that work, but the, the body as a, as a machine, if we consider it a machine mm-hmm. and we consider food fuel, it's pretty simple. Well, and it, it it's simple, but it's also like the most beautifully designed and put together machine on the face of the earth i mean it's self-cleaning self-healing self-repairing self you know sustaining for the most part i mean it'll start eating its fat away and live for an extra three weeks on nothing if you really needed to yeah i've always loved the beauty of it and and i think that really helps me to i mean for one i mean i've always loved exploring its extreme capabilities but um just the beauty of its its effect its effective machinery is something that's always fascinated don't go anywhere we'll be right back it it, it hasn't it didn't fascinate me for a long time and then i failed at a bunch of diets and 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 maybe i was successful at diets because i lost i was it 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 turns out it's not super hard to lose weight Mm -mm. it's pretty damn easy and every single diet book will give you a uh, solution for weight loss that mm-hmm. if you follow it, you will lose weight. Every single one of them. 
none of them handle the rest of your life. Really? I mean, none that I've read. Wow. You 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 really gotta you really gotta think about what what led me to the place I'm at, and how do I escape that once the diet's over? Yeah. You know. Or you're cycling through and doing yo-yo diets forever. You're gaining weight and losing yeah. weight and gaining weight and losing weight. And that is really depressing. Uh, absolutely, it is. And it's it's depressing that most of those diets are, are, are so... I mean, it's good that they work. And I think you really hit on something important that there is so many right answers, especially the further you, you are away from where you, know, where you really want to be. Yeah. The further you are away, the more effective everything else will be and the less those little tiny things even matter. I always look at it like even a bodybuilder in your office, it's like, it doesn't matter what kind of fucking sauce you're using. Have barbecue sauce. If you want, I don't care. We'll deal with that when we get closer, Right. you know, because you're still in that deficit. You're still going to lose the weight and it's just, but there's a way to lose the weight and still continue with the same diet after you've lost the weight and then you can manipulate it. But I, I get it. A lot of people don't want to structure their life around food. Yeah, you know, and it, it is. It's it's a it's a commitment. Like, but I but I also think that they, the, but life is structured around food no matter what. Absolutely, everybody eats, and, and you know, unless you're like a guy who fasts for two days every week or something. So for two days you're not, and I bet you those two days you're thinking about food an awful lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you eat. Everybody eats. Tend to eat multiple times a day. Some people intermittent fast, and so they have a small window to eat, but. Whether we're just complacent because of our habits and we're comfortable with not changing our habits, our lives are scheduled around it. Mm -hmm. we're, we are That's going true, out of our way right. to eat no matter what. So, yeah. so I really do think it's just a matter of going like, can I put the time in to change my habits? Yeah. And, and I think like to your point, like you maybe are innately just born with this way of considering it. And I am still working to have that become subconscious. It's very much in my consciousness. Absolutely. But I have to like remind myself sometimes because when my subconscious tries to take over, my subconscious is saying fucking bagels and pizza bites and you know, yeah. 3 a.m. at Carl's Jr. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's that. That's crazy. Like to me, I'll be like, man, even if the nights that I do stay out and, you know, like I go to a party or something and then late at night, I'm like, man, I'm hungry. Fuck. What should I eat? I don't even know anymore, you know, because I had those nights back when I, you know, young man, 20 years old, go to McDonald's in the middle of the night. But now it's been so long. It's so foreign to me. I just don't even know what to eat. You yeah. know? Yeah. I don't think there is anything really readily available at 3 a.m. <laughs> no. You know? Not unless you go to IHOP and get egg whites or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Doug, thank you so much. Oh, it was a pleasure. That was so much fun. Yeah. This has been awesome. awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>